me, let us know what we can do, and, and we'll, we'll try and get you there. So don't be shy. Sign up for the retreat. Well, good morning, everybody. You all are hurting my back. Seriously. I mean, there's a few empty seats here now because the youth has gone. I keep adding rows, and you keep filling them. And I came in today, I go, we need more rows. I mean, wow, God is good. Thank you for joining us online. If you didn't get sermon notes, raise your hand. Let me get some to you. Uh, back there, some over here, some over here. Online, you can go to, I've been told I do this wrong, but it's in the messenger, I think, part of Facebook. Facebook is some thing that people do. Everybody got notes? Anybody else back there? All right, let's see how well you remember. Operation. Oh, very impressed. Very impressed. That was a good 20% of you there that caught that from last week. I was, I'm surprised. I'm, that is a blessing. Thank you, God. 20%, way above average. <laughs> 1 Peter 2.9. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Peter, 1 Peter 2.9 for me. If not, it's going to be up on the screen there. This is our theme verse for the year. Now, you'll notice I've emphasized the word you. It is not that way in the Scripture. There are no underlining in the Scripture on this. But I wanted to emphasize the you because this verse is written to you. It says, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. As I said, this is a theme verse for the year, for the church. I, you know, I recommend, if you can, if you're, if you're into this, learn this verse. Memorize this verse. You've got all year to do it. It's really not that difficult. Some people don't believe that they can memorize scripture. I just can't do it. I'll guarantee you everybody in here knows their phone number. I'll pretty much guarantee everybody in here knows their address. They know where they work. You can memorize and you can memorize scripture. Sometimes we get a, a mental block that tells us, oh, I can't do that. You absolutely can. Pray about it. God will open that door for you. But this is a good verse to memorize. Our theme for the year is called. It's also our theme for the men's retreat. But we are never going to answer the call of God unless we are absolutely certain that God is calling us, right? This morning, I want to talk about identity check. Now, this, this message, I love the way God does this. Um, I'd already had this, this verse for the theme for the year. And I wanted to start this morning on this theme. And I was looking online for something else. And I came across a sermon by Rick Warren with this scripture right at the beginning of the sermon. And it fit exactly what I was looking for. So I want to give Rick Warren a shout out. This is not his sermon, but it's very much inspired by him this morning. We all need a spiritual ID check from time to time. A moment to, to stop and consider who we really are in God's eyes. Because we get all kinds of messages coming at us from the world telling us 
what we should be, what we shouldn't be, but we need to know who we are in God's eyes, our spiritual identity. And the reason that we need to do that is because there is one out there, Satan, the deceiver, who wants to twist and pervert your spiritual identity. He doesn't want you to see who God sees you as. He'd even steal it if he could. Now, we just finished a a small series called TOG, T-A-W-G, Time Alone with God, a great way to start the year. Focus on God, focus on being with God. Started off, we, we, we were seeking God, really. We asked him to slow us. Then we asked him to know us. Then we asked him to show us. And then we asked him to grow us. But there's an underlying problem in that process. And the problem is the us part that shows up in each and every step. If we're not clear or confident on our spiritual ID, we don't really know who us is. And if you don't really know who you are, it's so easy to miss the call. Identity is, is kind of, it's interesting because it's, it's mostly external. My first name is Michael. I never chose my first name. My parents chose my first name. They decided my name was Michael. I've got two middle names. The first middle name is John. That was my dad's name. My second middle name is Thomas. That was my grandfather's name. And our surname, or last name, surname we say in England, is our family name. So I'm Michael John Thomas Bishop. I never picked any of those names, but that's my identity. Now, I could change my name if I wanted to. You can go to court. You can get a court order to change your name. But when it comes to identity, that really doesn't matter because identity, like I say, is mostly external. If I chose to to change my name to say, uh, oh, let's think of something grand here. (laughs) Ferndale Summerwise. There's a name for you. Ferndale Summerwise. I am the new Ferndale Summerwise. But if nobody chose to call me by that name, if everybody still continued to call me Mike, it really doesn't matter what I changed my name to because for all intents and purposes, my identity is Mike. Because if you were calling out to me in Walmart, you're not calling out Ferndale. You're calling out Mike. We are from now on. (laughs) All right. Funny story for you. I remember years ago, went on vacation. I think this was before I even met my wife. With a couple of friends. Camping vacation. And in the town that we were camping in, they had a movie theater. And they were showing a bunch of spaghetti westerns. Do you know what I mean by a spaghetti western? You know, the Clint Eastwood westerns. Good, bad, and the ugly for a few dollars more. And, and so we went and we watched all of these movies together. And we came out of there and decided to change our identity for the week. So we all bought straw cowboy hats. Uh, one was Duke, one was Tex, Tex, and the other one was the kid. I was Tex. <laughs> and all week we called each other Duke, Tex, and the kid. I mean, stupid. But identity. I mean, we created an identity for ourselves. I'm not Bob and I'm not Ferndale. <laughs> But we all agreed. We had to agree on that identity because identity is mostly external. Now, legally, though, identity really matters. Some of you may have heard of this. I want to tell you a story. There's a fellow back on August 31st, 2004, 5 o'clock in the morning, 
A Burger King employee, this is in Georgia, goes out back of the Burger King where the dumpster is and he finds a man lying next to the dumpster, naked, unconscious. He calls the police. He had been beaten. Calls the police. The police come get him. They take him to the hospital. He had three indentations in his head where he had been hit with something. Covered in red ant bites and sunburn. Poor guy. But it took him a little while to get this guy up to a a place of, of recovery where they could talk to him. And when they did talk to him, they discovered he had total amnesia. He had no clue who he was. There was no, nothing in his mind for his background or anything. And it didn't matter what they did, they could not get this guy's memory back. He had no identification, no ID. This went on for years to the point that he became quite well known. Dr. Phil had him on the Dr. Phil show. Hoping that somebody would see the show, recognize the guy and claim him, but nobody did. Dr. Phil hired a private investigator to search for this guy's credential. Couldn't find anything. The FBI couldn't find anything of him. They they had no fingerprints for this fellow. They even had a hypnotist come in. Dr. Phil hired a hypnotist to hypnotize him and maybe generate some memories. And he had some vague memories. They all turned out to be wrong. They gave him the name Benjamin Kyle. He thought his name was Benjamin for some reason. Kyle, we're not sure where that came from. But it was a real problem for him having no ID, no social security number, nothing to reference who he was. So he couldn't get a job. He couldn't even draw benefits, even though he couldn't get a job. (laughs) Couldn't get health care. He couldn't do anything because he had no identification, no social security number, no birth certificate. Nothing. Life became very, very difficult for him because he had no ID. He actually became homeless. Started just wandering the streets and then somebody kind of found him and renewed interest, took him down to Florida. Somebody at some university in Florida wanted to do some research on him and and, uh, after seven years... And after much lobbying by well-wishers, he was issued a Florida state identity as Benjamin Kyle. So at least now he's got some form of ID. But this is back, you know, when did I say it was? 2005 or four or something? As technology advanced, DNA advanced, they had new tools. Uh, Eventually, September the 16th, 2015, 11 years after he was found... His real identity was discovered. He's William Burgess Powell, born August 29th, same day as me, 1948 in Lafayette, Indiana. Can you imagine for 11 years having no identity? Now, he still didn't remember anything. They discovered his identity, so he could find out that he actually had siblings, but there was no recollection of of any of this stuff. No past, no history, no connection, no reference points, no identity. Legally, identity matters. Spiritually, identity matters too. Because if Satan can strip us of our spiritual identity, 
switch or twist and pervert our spiritual identity so that we don't see ourselves through the lens of God's perspective, then he can strip us of our blessing. He can steal our joy. He can neutralize our, our, our potential. You've heard me numerous times say, you know, we are in a spiritual war. And we are. Each and every one of us is in a spiritual war. And this is part of this spiritual war. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. And one of the battlefields in, in this spiritual war is your identity. Your spiritual identity. Satan seeks to pervert it and twist it. Make you doubt who you are in God's eyes. Make you doubt who God is, even. So that he can steal your blessing, steal your joy, and neutralize your potential. He even tried it on Jesus. If you go back to Matthew, and Jesus is in the wilderness, and he's being tempted in Matthew chapter 4, it's in Luke as well, I believe. And, and when Satan comes to him, he goes right for Jesus' identity. He says, if you are the Son of God, if you really are the Son of God, if you are who you say you are, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. It's such a sh- subtle deceit because Jesus doesn't want to test God in this way. So there's that, well, if I don't do this, and I can't, it, it's just clever. If you are. And then later on he says, if you are the Son of God, jump off. He's put him at the top of the the temple and said, you know, if you're really the son of God and you jump off, the angels will rescue you. And then at the other end of his ministry, when he's hanging on the cross, Satan uses people to come at him with the exact same attack. If you really are the Messiah, come down off that cross and rescue yourself. Satan tries to distort, steal, our spiritual identity, made us, make us doubt who we really are. And there are numerous ways that he does this. He uses external influences, people, the media, social media, the world outside. He uses circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in sometimes. And he ultimately, he uses us against us. So, in internal, how we think of ourselves. Now, one thing Satan's got going for him in this battle, we are very open to suggestion. You might not think you are. You might think that you're above that. We are very open to suggestion. If you don't believe that, look at fashion. Go back and take a look at the picture of people in the 60s and what they wore. Everybody's wearing the same thing. And in the 70s, everybody's wearing different than the 60s, but now they're still wearing the same thing. In the 80s, and the 90s. And now, most people try to wear all the stuff that people wore in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And some of the hairstyles, I mean, you look at, it's like, really? I, I did, I got, <laughs> I got a photo album out just to look at myself. It's just, oh, why? <laughs> we are very open to suggestion. We're susceptible to suggestion. That's why we do stupid things, especially when we're young. I mean, how many parents said, if your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff? Anyone ever have a parent say that? You know the problem? The answer? Yes. 
I have scars all over me. <laughs> That's why I wear a straw cowboy hat and I'm Tex, Duke, and the kid. I mean, we get influenced by the, the things that other people tell us. Our parents, teachers, preachers, friends, enemies. Stuff that we hear on a repetitive basis as we're growing up. We take that stuff in. We begin to believe that stuff. Because get, keep getting, you're, stu- you're never going to amount to anything. Anybody get that one? Some don't raise their hands. You're never going to amount to anything. You're going to be just like your... You know, And we, we internalize that stuff. We get influenced by media and social media. How to think, what to wear. I mean, the biggest thing for me that, that indicates how influenced we are is when you watch a comedy and it has a laugh track to tell you when to laugh. Like, are we really that dim? <laughs> oh, that was funny. <laughs> How to think, what to wear. You need this. You should have this. If you don't have this and you don't look like this, well, you're not who you ought to be. This is what success looks like. And if you don't live up to this ideal, you're a failure. You need to be more. We have an inert, inert's not the right word. What's the word I'm looking for? Innate, thank you. We have an innate need for acceptance. Even loners. Have you ever noticed how all loners dress the same? (laughs) Same jeans kind of thing, long hair. We just, we seek acceptance and Satan uses those things against us. Second thing it is, he uses circumstances, situations. You know, Satan, Satan can't get in your head. But he can influence your head. And he knows your weakness. And all the time he's going to put things in your way. He's going to put stumbling blocks there to see how you respond to the stumbling block. And then if you stumble over the temptation, he's whispering in your ear. Really? You call yourself a Christian? And we're listening to this. It eats away at our spiritual identity. But the number one tool that Satan uses in your life, in my life, to steal and twist our spiritual identity is you. Us. If he can get you to repeat the lies he has told you, he has no power over you except what you give him. Satan has no power over you. He cannot possess you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. If you're a child of... If you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in you... People ask me this question sometimes. There's only room for one spirit in there. And it's God's spirit. So he can't affect your thinking from inside your head, but he can influence your thinking from outside. And if he can get you to repeat the things that he's doing, he's got your mind. Does that make sense? I really am not worthy. I really can't do those things. I'm such a schmuck. If he can get you to repeat the lies he's told you about you, about other people, about the Lord, he has your 
mind. Let me say that again. If he can get you to repeat the lies he's told you about you, about other people, and about the Lord, he has your mind. And he does it to all of us, to varying degrees. Now, three reasons why this is a serious issue. I'm just setting up this morning, by the way. Don't worry, we're not going to go till 1.30. I'm just going to set this up. We're going to dive into it next week. Three reasons why this is a serious issue. Number one, it affects all of our relationships. Our relationship with the Lord, our relationship with others, and our relationship with ourselves. What did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? And the second, love the Lord your God. Love others as you love yourself. A false ID affects all three of those relationships. Let me use me as an example. If I don't feel good about me because of the lies that Satan has me believing, I'm not going to feel good about you. That's just the way it works. You've heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people. People who don't feel good about themselves often become judgmental about other people because it helps them not feel so bad about themselves. At least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I feel really bad, but I feel better if I'm not as bad as so-and-so. They become suspicious. They become guarded. How we view ourselves affects how we view other people. A distorted spiritual identity is going to influence your relationship with the Lord. If your spiritual identity is twisted and distorted, your relationship with the Lord is going to be twisted and distorted. You're going to see him as unfair, unjust, cold, and distant. Seriously, God? Like, really? All this stuff, God? Like, are you serious? And that whole, you know, you created me this way? And then you judge me for being this way, God? I mean, seriously? And you're going to doubt his motives. And deep down inside, you're going to doubt his love for you and his acceptance of you. And a distorted spiritual identity is going to influence how you feel about you. I'm no good. No one could really like me. I don't like me. Why would they like me? I'm useless. I'm never going to live up to anything really and that's going to affect your spiritual witness and that's the second reason this is important it affects our potential number one it affects our relationships number two it affects our potential if i'm not really sure of my spiritual identity who i am in christ i'm not going to respond to god's call in my life it's difficult to respond to a call if you're not really sure who you are you ever been in a crowd and you've heard your name called but you didn't think they were calling you Anybody ever? That's happened to me. You know, Mike. Like, eventually you see the person. They say, I shouted out to you like eight times. I said, oh, yeah, I heard. I, I, I thought, I didn't think it was me. I thought somebody was calling somebody else. This can happen to you spiritually if your spiritual idea is messed up. God is calling you. 
But you don't think the call is for you because you don't see yourself as worthy of this call. Now, he must be calling someone else. He's not calling me. He can't be asking me to do that. I'm not able to do that. It must be somebody else. I can't do those things. Which brings us to the third reason this is important. It affects our blessing. God wants to bless you. You are his precious child. John 10.10 says, The thief, the thief, this is Jesus speaking, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Steal your joy, kill your hope, destroy your potential. And Jesus says, but my, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now let's just do a quick survey. Who would like a rich and satisfying life? Some of you, who doesn't want a rich and satisfying life? There we go, no hands now. But that's what Jesus says. This is, this is my goal for you. I want to give you a rich and satisfying life. I don't want you to just get by in life. I don't want you to be miserable in life. I want you to be rich. Not financially rich, maybe that. But, but rich in love, rich in hope, rich in joy. A satisfying life. I mean, what a wonderful thing to be on your deathbed and think back on your life and go, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm satisfied with my life. That is his purpose for you. That is his desire for you. That is his hope for you. A rich and satisfying life. The Lord wants to bless you, but you can only receive his true blessing When you truly identify as his. Let me close with this. I was going to do this message in one. I had it all ready to do in one and I got up this morning and God's got a habit of doing this with me lately. And I sat down and it was like three. (laughs) Okay. So it's going to be three. Let me close with this. On our, our family room wall, we have a picture. Can I go to the next slide, please? You can't really see it. It's a thumbprint or a fingerprint, one of the two. And uh, it was a gift that was given to me at Christmas time. And the lines of the fingerprint, can you go to the next one? You won't be able to see them clearly, are all words out of the Bible. And there's one right in the middle there. There we go. The Lord is good. A refuge in times of trouble. It's all things about God and, and God and his relationship to me, to my wife. It's, a, it's in our family room. A couple of years ago, the U.S. government was issuing trusted traveler ID. Anybody got a trusted traveler ID? No? You could go to the airport and you had to have a one-on-one interview. They wanted to make sure that you could be trusted so that when you go through security, you don't have to open up your bag, you don't have to take your shoes off, you don't have to take your belt off because you're already registered as a trusted traveler. And Sandra and I both went, but it was a one-on-one interview, and then they took fingerprints. They didn't take one, they took them all. 
Because they want to be absolutely certain that Mike Bishop is Mike Bishop. So they took every single fingerprint I have. Now, Mike Bishop being Mike Bishop lost his trusted traveler card. Because <laughs> I'm not. I can't be trusted. <laughs> they sent me another one. It was good. Because they've already got the information. Here's the deal. God has imprinted his fingerprint on your life. You are his workmanship. You can be identified by God's handprint on your life. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at five fingerprints of God's handprint, his ID on your life so that you can be solid on who you are in Jesus Christ, and you can respond to the call of Jesus Christ. Like I said, the, the theme this year is called, but there's no point in doing called if I don't know who he's calling. So that's what we're going to do over the next five weeks. Cool? Now, we just did part one, so if you want to get the rest, you have to come back next week and the following week. And then I think it's a men's retreat the week after that. All right, let me close with that. Hang on, I've got a bunch. Oh, let me, I just want to read this verse again. But you are not like that. Some people live in darkness, chasing shadows, seeking satisfaction from things that don't bring satisfaction. They get their identity from the world, seeking approval of the world and seeking the approval of others. And God is saying, but you are not like that. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. All five of the fingerprints, by the way, are in this passage of scripture. As a result... You can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into light, into his wonderful light. So come back next week. We'll investigate the five fingerprints that we find in that scripture. Amen? We're going to have communion now. We're going to share communion with one another.